Hello, this is UCI Chancellor Dr. Howard Gilman. Whenever I get the urge to hear independent talk radio, I only tune into KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine or online at KUCI.org. I love Anteater Radio. You're listening to 88.9 FM KUCI Irvine. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of KUCI or the University of California, Irvine. afternoon. You're listening to Carrie Rhodes of the Parenting Hour, and today I'll be joined by gynecologist Dr. Erica Song, and she disagrees with the one-size-fits-all approach to healing people. She believes that being vibrant and healthy is more than keeping symptoms at bay. Dr. Erica Song is a wife, mother to two amazing children, friend, sister, daughter, sometimes therapist, and last but not least, a holistic gynecologist that practices functional and integrative medicine. Dr. Song, a board-certified gynecologist, founded Vibrant Life Medicine in Inglewood, New Jersey, for men and women, based on the philosophy of integrating the best of conventional medicine with functional, metabolic, regenerative, and complementary medicine customized to meet the unique needs of each patient. Dr. Song received her BS in Art at MIT and medical training at NYU and additional fellowship training through the Institute for Functional Medicine, the Metabolic Medicine Institute, and the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Dr. Song is a certified nutritional holistic health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She is also an affiliate of the Cell Surgical Network and formed the New Jersey Stem Cell Treatment Center to help further stem cell therapies. At Vibrant Life Medicine, Dr. Song's focus is on individualized care and the body's inherent healing capacity. She recognizes that information is nothing without inspiration and encourages patients to become active partners in achieving their well-being. She helps men and women achieve and maintain wellness by building on the foundation to health, including proper nutrition, adequate sleep, movement, mind-body, stress management, supplements, and hormone optimization. Dr. Song, I'm so thrilled to have you on air today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Carrie. It's my pleasure. You know, we were talking off air that so many women accept the fact that they think something's normal with their period or their daughter's period, and it's not normal, and it doesn't have to be just a total pain. No, I completely agree, Carrie. And, you know, there are statistics out there that 85 to 95% of women have PMS symptoms at some point in their lives. And it's really incredible to think about, right, that so many of us really have these sometimes debilitating symptoms. And, you know, I think we think of them as so common that now we're starting to think that they're normal, but they're completely not normal to have these hormonal issues. Right, it's not. And so, and that's why I wanted to have you on air today. So maybe we could discuss what are some of the main things that you hear women coming into your clinic or, or with their daughters talking, well, this is, isn't, I thought this was normal. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's such a laundry list of symptoms. I mean, we can start with, you know, you know, and that's part of the other problem, Carrie, is that people just don't understand necessarily what's happening in their bodies and they start blaming everything on their hormones. Okay where we have to really understand the body as a whole. And, you know, just one thing I'll just add is that I always 
try to tell people to think of the, all of the parts of their body as a spider web. And if you touch one little strand, you know, somewhere up at the top, the entire web is going to vibrate. So you have to not just look at your ovaries, but look at the entire picture. That's, that is a beautiful analogy. I love that. So what then, a lot of people think PMS is just somebody's grumpy and that's what it is. Can you tell our audience, for mothers and daughters, what exactly is PMS and why should we be addressing this early on? Sure. So PMS is actually a collection of a number of symptoms that can be psychological and emotional, but definitely also physical. And the real definition of PMS is that these symptoms have to happen usually within about two weeks before your period starts and ends shortly after the period ends. So if somebody is having something like crying and depressed mood 24-7 for the entire month, then it might get worse because of PMS and hormonal imbalances. But, you know, that's not just PMS. That could also be, of course, depression and anxiety and other things thrown in. But, you know, these symptoms can be abdominal bloating, acne, could be anger, anxiety, appetite changes. You know, we have um, breast tenderness, of course, and constipation and cramps and craving things, crying. You know, there's whole, and that's, you know, that's the ABCs, right? We can go all the way down to Z. There's so many different symptoms. But really the, the primary thing we have to think about is, is there a cycle to it? You know, does it follow a pattern every month? Okay, I see. And, you know, you just described my life. <laughs> I thought I was PMS free. <laughs> and I thought I was PMS free. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have all those things. I didn't know I had that. I'm such a positive person. I thought I didn't have PMS. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. Right? <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And, and you know, with, you know, astonishing, I said that 85 to 95% of women have these symptoms. But in about 10% of women, you ask, you know, why is it really important to address this early? You know, about 10% of women, these symptoms are significant, you know, severe, kids missing school every single month, you know, missing work and not being able to interact socially, personally, and even professionally. But some of these women, you know, as young girls, if you have significant PMS, you're really a, a high um, risk for developing things like postpartum depression. Wow. So we want to set these girls up with really good hormonal health and hormonal balance early in life so they, they don't have a lifelong struggle. My goodness, I see, I didn't even know that that could be treated so young, that there were supplements or nutrition, things that we could look at to alleviate symptoms of young girls. So already I'm learning so much on air today. So when you have young girls that come in with their mothers, uh, is, the, is the treatment approach when you're looking at it from a holistic standpoint, is it different for young girls than their mothers? So... You know, I think a lot of it actually is very similar. It's really more often how motivated you can get the person. And that'll hold true for whether the girl is 12 or a woman is 32, you know, how motivated they are to really make life changes because that's, um, that's really what it boils down to. I think, you know, when you look at this entire holistic approach and looking at your whole body, you have to understand what's happening inside your body and then be willing to make changes and not just go the route of, unfortunately, a lot of conventional doctors, you know, the tool they have in the toolbox is birth control pills, right? right? And that's not a great solution for a lot of people. Right. It's not. And I know it increases clot risk, but for those listeners that may be on birth control pills themselves or considering it for their young daughter, can you talk about why maybe that's not a good first line choice? You know, these hormones are actually, they're very similar to what our bodies make, but they're not exactly the same. So there are some potentially toxic byproducts that come out of the, how your body is metabolizing these drugs. And we also know that the birth control pills will 
deplete your body of a lot of really crucial nutrients like folic acid and the B vitamins. Mm. So if somebody is on birth control, and certainly there are tens of thousands of women on birth control pills and they are doing fine, but you can certainly exacerbate your hormonal problems, um, get more moody, get more depressed, get more anxious, have more hair thinning, um, you know, have more fatigue because you are depleting yourself with some of these nutrients. My goodness. So now when someone gets depleted of these, you know, we look at mothers, right? And perhaps they're considering going off birth control and wanting to conceive a child. How does this vitamin deficiency, is that something that shows up long term? Do they have to build these back up? Is that something to consider? You know, I definitely strongly encourage most people to be on a good multivitamin, but especially if you're on birth control pills, I would want to make sure that you're on something that has a good amount of all of the B vitamins, including folic acid, um, you know, certain minerals, magnesium, iron, all of that, just to make sure that you're really keeping up because, of course, mistakes happen also, right? So, Carrie, we're talking about not just the planned pregnancy, right, but the oof that happens, you know, while you're on birth control pills. So. Right. Just for that in case, we want to make sure that your body is really filled with everything it needs. I see. So so they can, re, like, is there a certain amount of time that you would expect a mom would need to be on these supplements before she decided to start conceiving a child? Yeah. No, in general, we say about three months. Three months, you know, consistent okay. Consistent use about three months, yeah, yeah, to rebuild your stores. Okay. Something I want to talk about because I, I hear so many young girls getting, you know, they're back in college right now and everybody's stressed out and they're just running, you know, running on basically empty. They're burning the candle at both ends. How does this type of stress and fatigue affect PMS? Oh, yeah, it can definitely make things much, much worse. And, you know, just to talk a little bit about, I guess, the basic science behind it, when, you know, we talk about that whole interconnected web that we have in our body, when we have stress, we're really talking about our adrenal glands. And there is this phenomenon called adrenal fatigue, where that's your body just really trying to keep up with all of the stress by making all of these hormones. And that's really the foundation to our hormonal health. If that's not balanced, then, you know, your thyroid and your ovaries are certainly not going to be balanced. And so that's really one of the things that I focus on is really getting somebody's adrenal health and stress levels to be in a, in a better range for them to function, op- function optimally. Okay, and so what would, if I were a young college girl and I was going to school and I'm just tired all the time, what would be maybe some signs and symptoms that I'm, I'm having an adrenal imbalance? There's, there's exactly, there's fatigue. You can have, um, you basically start making some fewer of some of the hormones that you need in order to help preserve your stress hormones like cortisol. So one of the things that you'll make less of is testosterone, which we think of for, you know, one of the first things that pops out is, of course, libido, but we Mm. need it for strength and stamina. We need it for endurance. We need it for motivation also, right? That's like that get up and go. So low testosterone symptoms can happen. You can also start getting a little fuzzy headed. You know, when, when we are in a survival mode, we get this tunnel vision, right? And that's often from the hormone called pregnenolone. And that lets you focus and and have that mental clarity. When you're trying to keep up with making other hormones like cortisol, you're going to have less of that for yourself. So your brain starts losing some of that. And there's a real reason why you start getting forgetful, right? And, I mean, I'm sure this happens to a lot of people. It happens to me, you know, sometimes where (laughs) I get out of the shower and I still have shampoo in my hair, right? (laughs) Right. You know, that, that, you know, just being forgetful and just lacking focus, um, lacking endurance, um, 
you know, the, there's also, you can have a bad mood that happens, you know, when you're under stress, you're, you're just not in a good mood. And that's another hormone that's made in the adrenal glands that really is very brain protective. So there's a whole number of symptoms and just to brush it off saying it's stress, well, it is stress, but there's a physical thing that's happening inside your body. Wow. So what then, what types of things do you prescribe then to get adrenal health back on balance? And what are the lifestyle changes that would affect that adrenal system? Sure. You know, I, I really like to try to drive into any of my patients that the first thing that really we should look at is food. You know, food is our foundation. And whether we're eating good food or bad food, our, our body is thriving on what you are giving it or crumbling under what you're giving it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of studies show that women who have PMS are eating more sugar, eating more refined carbs, having more dairy and having more sodium, and also not enough of the, you know, rich antioxidants. So that's really one of the key things I want people to look at, you know, clean up their diet, stop eating some of those things I just mentioned. Um, You know, I don't think everyone needs to certainly give up meat and eggs or dairy, but we want to look at, you know, a lot of these animals are treated with hormones, right? And those hormones, if if the animals are eating them, then we're eating them too, right? So a lot of what's happening nowadays is that we really are not living in such a natural environment anymore. We're surrounded by chemicals that we're breathing, by hormones that we're eating, and we really need to clean that up in order to start optimally functioning. Wow. So are there other than foods that would help clean up the adrenal environment in the body? Are there specific things you'd say, well, we need you to eat more of this? Yep. Yeah. You you know, the, the adrenals thrive on a lot of different nutrients like those B vitamins, right, and vitamin C. Um, part of this is also we want to help our body detoxify. You know, our liver does most of our detoxification, and it needs food to do that, right? So it needs amino acids. You know, you need to make sure that you're getting enough protein, which so many girls, so many women don't get enough protein. You know, I see a lot of women, they're nervous that they're going to bulk up or, you know, that they're just um that they want to stay slim and you know just not getting enough of that protein intake, but they're they're making their body's metabolically slow down and build up toxins at the same time. So getting enough amino acids, um, getting really nice good anti-inflammatories into your system, like omega threes are amazing. Um, magnesium is another great mineral. Just it's involved in probably 300 different processes in your body. So also really important to repeat that. So for a lot of people that are becoming vegan or they're going vegetarian, how then do they get this proper protein intake to help their adrenal system? What what are we recommending, I guess, as far as grams per day or what other type of sources do you recommend? Yeah, you know, in general, rough rule of thumb for how much protein you should really intake in a day is anywhere from about one to three grams per kilogram. Okay. So if you're saying, you know, take an average, um, an average maybe 60 kilogram teenager or woman, and so she really needs probably 60 to 100 at least grams of protein in a day. There are, you know, for the vegans and the vegetarians, there are going to be some amino acids and vitamins that you really can only get from animal sources. And so for them, it really will mean supplementation, right? Fortifying with some sort of other nutrients, you know, usually in, in a capsule form, but there's certainly good powders out there that you can mix into smoothies and green drinks and things like that. And what are those particular things that they're missing from animal protein if they were going straight to a plant protein? Yeah, there's some of the B vitamins are going to be missing, okay. and there are different nutrients that are called carnitine, 
carnitine, right? Those are the amino acids that are very important as well. Uh, and, and I have seen nowadays with a lot of the, uh, let's say, protein blends, pea protein, rice protein shakes out there that are vegan, they will be fortified with extra nutrients that, that you might be missing without um, getting the animal sources. Okay, and I think that a lot of people are trying to look at that. And I think if you are saying, okay, I'm a vegetarian, there is a lot more to consider. It's how are you getting your sources of protein? What are they? Are you getting enough amino acids? And uh, enough protein in general. I think that um, when I was looking at protein intake or as an athlete, I would imagine you're at that, that higher in a protein. But I would think even listening to you now, I eat very nutritiously. I'm very conscious of that. And I'm like, I don't think I'm getting enough protein now. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing. It's such a small little fix that, you know, I'll just tell people, you know what, start your day off with something that has maybe 25 to 30 grams of protein. And it's amazing. So many women will say, I have so much more energy, you know, and they just weren't giving their body the fuel that they needed. Yeah, and that's perfect. I, I typically will start out the day with scrambled egg whites and a bunch of grilled vegetables, and that's my breakfast. And I'm thinking, but wait, how much protein does one egg have? So now I'll have to go back and take a look at that. <laughs> so thank you. For those of you just tuning in, uh, I'm on air t- today with Dr. Erica Song, and she founded the Vibrant Life Medicine Center, and she's in New Jersey, in Inglewood, New Jersey, and joining us on air today and talking about PMS and adrenal fatigue and symptoms and things that women don't have to take for normal. So, again, you're listening to the Parenting Hour on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And, again, back to Dr. Song. So um, so let's talk about then some other things with, with PMS and what are some of the, the steps to solving PMS? Or maybe we can talk about when someone should see a doctor. Sure. Yeah. You know, for, for relatively mild PMS or even moderate where you're not having such an impact on your day-to-day life during that, you know, maybe one to two-week period, I think it's certainly very reasonable to try some of these natural things first, you know, cleaning up your diet, some of the supplements, um, exercise. We didn't even talk about moving, right? Moving and stress management, right? All those self-care practices, getting enough sleep, which teenagers, of course, never do. Actually, moms (laughs) probably never do either, but, um, you know, so all of that, I think, very, very reasonable to try on your own. When you are doing these, so the next question I get asked a lot is, well, how quickly will I see results, right? And, you know, really by, by changing your lifestyle and adding some of these things to your, your regimen, probably one or two cycles, you'll, you'll really start noticing a good difference. So that might be one time after one or two cycles, you're really not getting the improvement that you feel that you should be getting. Then try to find, hopefully, a functional medicine practitioner that can help guide you in maybe some other things that you might be missing, like an imbalance in your GI tract. And that's super important. And if your GI tract is not working well, if you're not absorbing all the nutrients that you're eating, then you're not getting the benefit from that either. Um, then there's also severe PMS, right? Mm-hmm. The, the PMDD, where somebody might have really almost psychotic episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Every every month, where they're significantly depressed, suicidal, hearing voices in their heads. You know, that is definitely not anything to mess around with. So, you know, if moms out there, if you have a daughter at all saying that she really gets extremely suicidal with her period, um, anything significant like that, that's really time to see a doctor. And what is the prevalence of the PMDD? And maybe explain to our audience a little bit more about that condition. So of the women that have PMS, Mm -hmm. about 10% will have really significant symptoms. And, you know, now we're calling it PMD, PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And this is really where the 
this probably has a slightly different um, mechanism than the garden variety PMS. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're talking about the neurotransmitters in the brain. So that, you know, those symptoms can really, oh, this is the other thing actually, Carrie, we want to make sure that we're not missing something medical, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're really not getting improvement, a lot of these symptoms I mentioned, right, Um, the bloating, the constipation, you know, maybe hair thinning and all of that, that could be something like hypothyroidism. Right, right? I was going to come back to that. um, Yeah, wow. Right, yeah, or vitamin D deficiency or, you know, a lack of, you know, certain nutrients. So sometimes it's worth getting tested as well, you know, just to make sure you're not missing something that's more important. So with that PMDD, we want to make sure that we're not really significantly missing something. Right. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, vitamin D is also going to affect all these neurofunctions. And my understanding is the less vitamin D people have, they can also become significantly depressed as well. Is that true? Oh, definitely. Vitamin D, you know, if if I have patients telling me, really, I need to limit the amount of supplements I'm taking, I might only take one or two, The mo- one of the most important ones, I think, is vitamin D. That would be my hands down, you know, you only take one thing ever in your life. And <laughs> the low, <laughs> it's so important for immune system functioning, for, um, you know, things like cancer prevention, for for your mood. And definitely low vitamin D levels can, can almost mimic hypothyroidism, depression, all of that. Wow. Well, I, I think that so many people are tuning in today, um, mothers, daughters, I mean, even family members that are tuning in listening probably didn't know so much about this topic. And, and I think you're right. We, as women or as young women, we just think, oh, well, it's normal. You know, I just kind of have to suffer through this. And, and myself, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't recognize that I had so many of those symptoms. And so now I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to take some uh, real functional medicine approach to improving this for myself because I would have never known because I'm just this upbeat person. I'm like, oh, I don't have anything. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that goes for any symptom. You know, if you're bloated every single day for the last 10 years, you think it's just normal until it goes away and you go, wow, I feel so good now. Yeah. Right. So That's amazing. You don't, you don't have to have to. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you just don't, you don't have to have it. Somebody listening might relate to and then go, oh, that's my story. You know, I really need to look into this. Yeah, you know, I think that people really just, like we were just talking about, they get so used to feeling not great, right? And and when I give talks, you know, to different different groups, one of the things I like to really ask is think about the last time you felt really, really great. Right, the last time that you jumped out of bed like you did when you were a kid, you're ready to start, you know, heading out for the day and had good energy all day, and you're also in a good mood all day, right? Right. And then you went to bed, and, and yeah, and then you went to bed and slept like a baby, right? And wouldn't we love to have days like that every single day of our life, right? right. And I think for a lot of people, they're dragging and dragging, and they just accept that as that's my life now, you know, until they finally realize or somebody tells them, you know, you don't have to feel that way, you know, and right. and it's just so, um, it's just so eye-opening to say, you know what, I don't have to drag through the day. I don't have to have my head in my hands at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and feel like I'm just going to keel over. Right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, you know, a lot of, but again, I have specific problems that people are coming with. But a huge number of it is I just don't feel good, right? And they've gone to the regular doctor who's done a million tests, and all the tests look okay, but you're not necessarily looking at 
at your body as the proper thing. And unfortunately, a lot of the doctors, we treat one part often, right? The right. ovary or the thyroid or the heart or the brain. And, and again, not looking at your body as all those little pieces of the web that are interconnected. Right. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, just for curiosity, you hear so many women get hypothyroidism. And how does this mm-hmm. play into adrenal fatigue and and do those, like, what's the chicken and the egg? Is it the, the adrenal balance and then the thyroid and then really bad PMS or PMS drains the other things? Like, what's the connection in that, in that regard? Yeah, so when I think about hormonal health, I think of the endocrine system as a pyramid. And for, for most of us, the base of that pyramid is your adrenal glands. And then the middle part is your thyroid. And the tippy top is going to be, you know, the ovaries, testicles. And right now in what's happening in modern medicine is the adrenal glands have almost been forgotten about. And so you concentrate on the thyroid issue. But often if you correct your adrenal issues first, mm-hmm. that thyroid problem that you had will go away by itself, right? It will resolve itself because you're, you're actually healing your body. And, you know, we don't live these natural lifestyles anymore, right? We are... You know, the adrenal glands are meant to have you, you know, we're basically, they're, they're functioning the same as caveman times, right? So right. they're meant to get that cave, right? right? So they're meant to get that caveman to run away or fight that, you know, tiger once, maybe once a week, once right. a month, something like that. Right. right? And we're, we're living like we have tigers chasing us 10 times a day. So these little teeny glands can't keep up. And then your whole body sort of starts breaking down. Right. Um, and sometimes what we find is if you concentrate too much on the thyroid, that's trying to get your, if I give you thyroid medication and you have a significant amount of adrenal fatigue, sometimes you actually feel so much worse because now you're saying, hey, body, you know, here's the thyroid hormone. I'm going to get you to work harder and faster because you're sort of sluggish right now. Oh, wow. And then your art is so dragging from the adrenal fatigue that your body poops out even more. It just says, I can't do this, you know. And so there are some people who will feel so much worse on the thyroid medication because their adrenals haven't been addressed first. Now, is this, is this true of Hashimoto's? And, and I guess that's slightly different than hyperthyroidism, but is that more true of Hashimoto's then? Um, so it can actually happen with any kind of thyroid. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder where your body is attacking your own thyroid. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, with a lot of autoimmune disorders, a big culprit that we find is actually gluten. Right, the, the gluten is just such a long protein that we start, you know, start getting broken apart into pieces that look like ourselves. And you know, one of the best things that probably almost everyone, but definitely if you have an autoimmune disorder, to get rid of is going to be gluten. Um, but you no, know, that that having that long-term Hashimoto certainly can be um, a tax on your adrenals. And that's where, you know, again, we want to make sure we can do all of this stuff. We can clean up your diet. We can give you supplements. We can, you know, get you moving, get you exercising. But if you don't practice that self-care, it's, you know, you're sort of hitting your head against the wall because you're, you're just going to keep damaging yourself. No, I hear you. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that you came on air with us. Um, we're in our last few minutes of this. Um, but I was joined by Dr. Erica Song today. And I'm wondering if you could just go ahead and list off your website where people could come and just learn more about what you talked about today. Oh, definitely. Yep. The website is vibrantlifemedicine.com. And I'm out here in Englewood, New Jersey. You can also find me on Facebook. I do a lot of nice posts on my Facebook site, also Vibrant Life, uh, Vibrant Life Medicine. Well, thank you so much for joining us on air. Again, you've been listening to the Parenting Hour on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and we've been talking about 
PMS and adrenal health and how to really correct these imbalances in your whole body system as a whole and really overcoming this PMS because as Dr. Song said, it doesn't have to be a pain. So thank you so much, Dr. Song, for joining us on air today. Uh, thank you so much, Carrie. It was a pleasure. 